Welcome back to the Pineapple Couch. Uh, we're going to be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 1. The first episode came out last Friday on Disney Plus, and the second episode will be coming out this Friday. You got six episodes. Should be fun. We're going to do the same thing we did for WandaVision. Um, and so you know who I'm about to introduce. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Peter Gonzalez. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be tackling Marvel's next project. Yeah, and we're, there's going to be no shortage of Marvel projects to talk about here on the couch, and we just had some breaking news. Peter, do you want to go and tell the f- good folks what just happened? For sure. So apparently Disney just announced that they are once again pushing back um, Black Widow, this time to July 9th, as their kickoff to summer, essentially, and mm-hmm. they're going to make it also available with the premium fee adage on Disney Plus the same day. So this will definitely kind of, sh- this also shifts Shang-Li down to September. Mm-hmm. And um, the other dates, I think Eternals and Spider-Man are still staying where they're currently at. But, um, okay. So interesting. So we'll have Loki, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man. And we do, don't we have a show in the fall? Is Hawkeye in the fall? I think Hawkeye might, it's either Hawkeye or it's What If. Okay, so yeah, we have those two in the fall. A ton of Marvel content, and so now for a uh, Black Widow, that's pushed back like fourteen months now, right? It was supposed to come out last May. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's interesting too, coming off of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though, since over the weekend Disney did say that it was their highest rated premiere over Wandavision and over The Mandalorian. That's so wild. I feel like to that kind of gives them proof of concept that. Disney Plus is working, so now I think it makes sense for them to put Black Widow on Disney Plus. I know I will see it in a theater, but I don't know. How much is it on Disney Plus? How much is the premium thing? I believe the previous two that have been done, which was Mulan and Raya, were $30 additional. Oh, dang. Is you get it for like 24 hours or something like that? I think you get it like you get to keep it on there. But what's interesting, though, is that then they add these for free anyways a couple months later. Mm Mm-hmm. So you so, basically get to have it just a couple months ahead of time. Interesting, interesting. Well, it'll be a lot of questions will be answered based on the numbers of that movie on how many people go into theaters, how many people watch it on Disney Plus. Because I do think, um, I mean, if you just think about what just happened with the Snyder Cut, we're not going to talk about the Snyder Cut today, but there is a lot of momentum, it seems, towards these Disney Plus uh, HBO Max type releases. And so... I think Black Widow will be a good uh, a gauge of how people are feeling going back to the theaters. I like I like both. I'm on both ends. Like I I think it's fun to go into a theater. You get a big Slurpee, you get a big thing of popcorn. It's super fun. Obviously, moments like in Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, the huge moments. It is cool to be a part of a crowd because everyone's kind of losing their mind. But I also am lazy in a homebody so sometimes i'm like you know it's pretty nice to not have to leave my couch so i look forward to taking advantage of both options i think i think that's what i will be doing i like it you gave Mm -hmm. valid arguments for both sides of it yeah and then chose neither that's how i do it (laughs) um all right let's get into um falcon winter soldier episode one where i wanted to start though is just a little background for all the for all of you folks out there, about these two main characters in the show and where what they have done, where they have been throughout the MCU. Um, let's start with Sam Wilson. He is the Falcon. And Peter, chime in with anything extra you have, or if I'm wrong, chime in as well, because I did most of this off the top. Um, Sam Wilson is a former Air Force uh, 
member or soldier. What is it? Air Force? What's the, I, thought what it was para, I thought it was pararescue. He's a pararescue. Okay. Airman. And he basically, he left the, he left active duty when his uh, partner died and he went to work with uh, veterans with, that are struggling with PTSD. That's how I, it's introduced in, I believe, Winter Soldier, right, Peter? Correct. Okay. And so that's, <clears throat> we meet him when he meets Steve Rogers in Winter Soldier and throughout Winter Soldier as there's the whole corrupt, uh, shield is hydra actually he works with uh, black widow and captain america to stop them and also fight the winter soldier which we'll get to later um and then the next time we see sam wilson is in avengers age of ultron there is a party at the avengers uh, tower mansion in new york and uh he checks in with cap and talks about how he is still tracking bucky they don't say bucky but that's what we know who he's talking about and then we're going to see him again in Civil War. He is a full-time member of Team Cap, fighting with Cap in the big conflict. Um, and then he eventually goes to fight in Wakanda, and him and Rhodey are in the sky in the giant battle there, which is very cool. And then he is the first person we hear come back from the second snap, from Hulk's snap. And he does. he says to Cap with the great line, on your left. Um, so that is Sam Wilson. Anything you'd like to add about a little background on? Oh, he's played by Anthony Mackie, and Anthony Mackie's tremendous. Peter? I think you kind of included everything again. I think this show definitely touches on a lot of those things that you mentioned right now. Um, specifically, the on-your-left line is definitely something we hear throughout this. And I think even from the get-go, it really establishes the relationship between Cap and Sam and the friendship aspect, which I think is really an integral part of this show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw... Before we go into Bucky, I saw I forget where I saw this, but I, I really liked it. It was basically saying how kind of if you combine Bucky and Sam, it's Steve. Yeah. Sam is like the more noble, do the right thing, typical hero. And then Bucky is the man out of time, similar to how Steve is. And uh, if you take away the stuff of Bucky being mind controlled, Bucky's really not a bad person. So let's talk about that. Uh, Bucky Barnes. James Buchanan Barnes, also known as the Winter Soldier. We see him actually in Captain America, the first Avenger. He's Steve's best friend, uh, goes on a double date with him, and he's headed to the uh, military before Steve is. And Steve eventually um, meets up with him, and he does fight alongside Cap. He's a member of the Howling Commandos. Isn't that right, Peter? Correct. And um, we see in Captain, we actually see Steve rescue him um, in that movie, but later we see what we think is him falling to his death in the first Avenger. But uh, unfortunately, Hydra is able to capture him and brainwash him, and he becomes a killing machine known as the Winter Soldier. He basically just goes and kills people for 90 years straight and is pretty much unstoppable. Um, we see him again in Winter Soldier, and he comes after Cap, which really puts Cap's head in a pretzel because he's like, I thought you were dead. So there's a whole thing on that. Um the, the reason, though, that we have some hope for Bucky is because at the end of Winter Soldier, he does save Steve. He saves Captain America. He doesn't know why necessarily, but we do know that deep down in there, there's still Bucky Barnes, James Buchanan Barnes, Steve's best friend. Um, and then we catch up with that in Civil War where he is framed by Zemo for killing T'Challa, Black Panther's dad, at the embassy, which sparks all the Sokovian Accords. Um it, he's the main cause of civil war, essentially. Yeah, I think that's it's Zemo, what's... but through Bucky, right? Yeah, Zemo uses Bucky to create the rift in the 
Avengers, which obviously has repercussions. Yeah. And so he we find out uh, that he actually did kill Tony's parents, which leads to a gnarly fight at the end of Civil War that that fight kind of leaves the Avengers in pieces at the beginning of Infinity War when Thanos and all of them come. The Avengers aren't really united. And that is the reason at the end, though, of Civil War, um, he does go to Wakanda to rest and heal up. He gets a new vibranium arm um, because obviously T'Challa finds out that he was framed. He did not kill his father. That is my background on those two. What do you think about that? Is, do we ever miss anything? I don't think so. Um, I think just at the end of, you know, end of end game, they are together. Mm-hmm. The two of them. And, um, and yeah, which kind of cap basically says goodbye to the two of them together. Yeah, and oh, I guess at the end of uh, Endgame, we do see Old Man Cap give Sam the Captain America shield, and Sam says, we see this actually in the opening scene, it says, it feels like it belongs to someone else, and Steve says, it doesn't, it's yours, and so um, that's where we le- we're left off going to the show, assuming that um, Falcon is going to be the next Captain America, maybe not immediately, but that is what Steve Rogers, Captain America, wanted. And this all takes place six months after the second snap, after everyone comes back. Um, so in this episode, it's called New World Order, which I like. It's just kind of showing this does a good job compared to WandaVision and Spider-Man Far From Home. Not that they did a bad job in any way. They're just different. This did a good job of showing maybe like the global ramifications of the snap and what happens when half the population disappears and then what happens when it comes back and how chaotic that can be. So really this is, we're seeing the new world order post Avengers Endgame. Um, we start with a very, very good action sequence where Falcon is sent to rescue um, a U.S. captain from LAF. Um, and the person who is in charge of this mission in some way is Batrock the Leaper, who we did see in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, Peter, these Falcon action scenes are incredible. Two things jumped out to me is one, Red Wing became a badass. And I love what they're doing with that because Red Wing in the comic books was an actual Falcon that Sam could like think with. So I like the modern adaptation. And then did you notice how many times he was using his wings as a shield? Yes. I thought that was just such a call, a foreshadowing. You know, he's going to get the shield. He has to get the shield. It makes sense. I like that his first battle is very much Steve's first battle in Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. They, fight, they fight the same guy in both of these situations. I like that. I like the parallel line that's running between us. I like it. Yeah, the, the, the themes of Winter Soldier and this show are almost identical. There's that mistrust, and there's all of that going on, which I like. Um we do meet Torres, who is who are basically he's a soldier and he is uh, Falcon's boots on the ground during that mission. He is in awe of Falcon. Um, one thing to know about Torres, I don't remember his first name, but in Joaquin. the com- Joaquin Torres in the comic books, when Falcon becomes Captain America, Joaquin Torres becomes the Falcon. So maybe this is just a little Easter egg or maybe they'll do something about it. But I did like his character. He was just in awe of Falcon. I think like the rest of us, because that was Peter, that was the first time we really saw the Falcons like full skill set in that. You know what I mean? That's the longest we've ever really seen. Correct. Yeah, I think so. And I think it really did set up how this show is tonally different than WandaVision. Oh, this yeah. is much more traditional Marvel 
It had the action sequence, the tight shots. It showed you that he is a really good fighter. And like you said, it's the most we've gotten to see him in action doing his mm-hmm. own thing and standing on his own. And I just loved until it went up to the very last second that he was able to rescue him. So it was, mm-hmm. you were drawn in from the second it started. Yeah, and like you said, Falcon, he saves the day literally just before they get into Libyan airspace. And um, I think what this show is going to be so great about, Peter, is Falcon and Winter Soldier, both of these characters, in the small doses we've gotten of them in the MCU, I've been a giant fan. Anthony Mackie is hilarious. The Winter Soldier is one of the gnarliest characters in the entire uh, MCU. And similar to how we were raving about uh, Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen and also Catherine Hahn, I think by the end of this th- show, we're going to be in awe of how funny and great Mackie and Stan are going to be in these roles. 100%. I really feel like these shows are allowing the actors and the characters just to breathe and really expand upon characters that were really great to begin with. But obviously, when you have two to two and a half hours of film mm-hmm. time on a movie, you can't explore everybody. So I think that when this was first suggested a couple of years ago, it didn't make sense. Like, you're going to do shows about characters as opposed to movies. But now seeing this, it's really proving that this concept really works. And it feels it's that comic book feeling all over again. Mm-hmm. It, it's a six hour movie. This more than WandaVision, I would say, because WandaVision was very much based on that old TV thing. This is a six hour movie. This felt this episode felt like the first 15 to 20 minutes of a Marvel movie, but just times two. So they could do more stuff and lay more groundwork. Um, I am very, very, very excited to see where this show goes. And with all the press that um, Anthony Mackie was doing before this show i mean i always knew he was funny he's so funny he seems just like a 10 out of 10 dude so very excited for him to get a bigger role in the mcu because i totally think he fits the tone and the humor aspect of it and i think he'd be a damn good captain america yeah i think this show's really going to show that too for people that might not be on board with it i think this will really show and like you said that press tour they're all doing such a good job of doing the outside the show work and doing it and backing it up with the shows it's Mm -hmm. going hand in hand yeah so the next scene we get is basically after the mission and we got falcons talking to joaquin torres and they're having some lunch and first thing we see is torres offers to help falcon fix red wing and we see that falcon does not like the military the air force touching his tech whether that be they don't know how to work on it because it's so like advanced because it's stark tech or this, in my opinion, kind of adds to the mistrust of everything going on. Because we did, I didn't just mention this, Peter, but that mission he went on seemed pretty weird. There yeah. was not that much explanation, and it just seemed like kind of a setup, and he was able to somehow escape it. What are your thoughts on that? I think that the mistrust is going to play out through the whole show, because again... And he doesn't allude to this later in the episode where he's like, he took this job, you know, with the Air Force to kind of do, to kind of keep busy and do things and still help. But again, this is not the Avengers. This isn't what he believes in fully. So he's kind of doing what feels familiar, but at the same time, it's not a hundred percent something he can believe in, especially coming off of S.H.I.E.L.D. falling apart. And as they said in the episode, you know, everything's kind of chaotic after the snap. Yeah, and so in the scene we get, uh, Torres explains the Flag Smashers. They're basically a group that thought life was better during the blip. They don't believe in borders. They want a unified world. They're essentially just anarchists. And um, 
one thing that uh, I did notice in that conversation was Torres seemed to not be like very pro flag smashers, but his tone, I thought he was a little somewhat, he understood. Does that make sense? He kind of understands where they're coming from. Yeah. Cause I guess he's confused too. I mean, I think anyone would be like, where do your, like, there's a line about um, that alliances are broken, you know, Mm -hmm. no one's really on the same page anymore. So I think, that even though you think you're on the side of good, like, are you on the side of good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just further adding to that mystery. And one thing I really liked was uh, Torres asks Falcon, like, where is Steve? Where is Cap? And I, this is such a great question because we obviously, we know that the MCU knows Tony Stark died. But with Cap, it's kind of like they haven't really explained it yet. And so if you're like just an average person, you're like, wait, what happened to that Captain America guy who was like super young and... He just saved the world and did all this stuff. He's just gone. So, so, like, people don't know that he aged and went back in time. So some people, he asked him, Sam, straight up, if Captain America is on the moon. And at first, I thought that was ludicrous. Peter, I think Captain America is on the moon. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm serious. I think he is on the moon, and we might see that. I think we might see him. I do think that. I, I was a little confused by the moon thing because it threw me off because... You might remember this better than I do. In Far From Home, when they do that in-memoriam section, do they use Steve, or does Steve not get used in that in-memoriam section? I'm pretty sure it was just uh, Natasha Natasha and uh, Tony, but I could be wrong. Because I don't think the world thinks Cap's dead, because they didn't say he died in that scene later. They're like, he kind of like laid down his shield. Because even the museum has like the last mission, is what it says. Yeah. um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't think I think all of them have the door open. And that's what I love about Marvel. It's like the door is always open. It's, they're never going to say never to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that'll be something that they will continue to go back to in this series is what happened to Cap and what does the world think happened to Cap? Because you got to think he's an important enough figure where people are curious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next scene we have is basically Sam's going to give the shield back to the government at this press conference type thing, he talks about how a world need heroes and Steve was that, but he basically gives it back because he says it belongs to Steve and not just not like Sam doesn't just think he shouldn't have it. He doesn't think anyone should have it. And um, that we will talk about later because that will obviously open some doors. But right after that, we get Rhodey, a great uh, cameo from Don, John Cheadle, you get the vibe that Rhodey thinks Sam should have accepted it, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I think so. And I think Rhodey is going to play a role in Sam eventually accepting it. I think that he his inclusion is important because, again, mm-hmm. he was Iron Man's right hand. So And Sam was... And he was with Steve, Steve during the five years. Rhodey was not snapped. He, If anyone might know what Steve wanted for the future of Captain America, Rhodey could be that person. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to be a huge deal, um, going down later in the line that he, uh, doesn't accept it. I think we're going to, this series will be him going back to get it, but there's definitely the, the sketchy government museum dude just seems like a scumbag. Oh, 100%. He fits, he fits the role perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to get a flashback. We're not told it's a flashback back but we quickly realize and it's Bucky just take the Winter Soldier taking some people out in this bank slash hotel um, he takes out his target and then he kills a kid at the end 
And this kid's basically like, I didn't see anything. I won't say anything. Please don't. And we see Bucky in the Winter Soldier mode saying, Hail Hydra. He kills the kid. And we get a scene where Bucky then wakes up from what that was presumably a nightmare on the floor of an apartment, which really calls back to um, Steve and Sam's conversation in Winter Soldier about how when they're home after they've been fighting in wars, that their beds are like marshmallows and too soft. They got used to sleeping on the ground with a rock as a pillow. So I thought that was a good callback to that uh, conversation. I'm glad you mentioned that because when I was watching it and I thought of that specific callback, I was like, Brian's going to think of this too. He's, it's not just me that's thinking of like, <laughs> yeah. this is like, this is freaking out about this. So I'm glad. This is why this, like, this podcast works because like we're on that same page. Yeah, exactly. And it's just uh, the, the, we've never seen anything like this in the history of like modern storytelling with a, the amount of things you can call back to in the interconnectedness of Marvel. We're at, 23 movies where we have now two tv shows and just more and more growing and they continue to just lay the foundation and connect it all which just makes life so much fun for people like us <laughs> um okay and so next we're gonna get is uh bucky's going to therapy which this is a very uncomfortable but good scene um we find out that he's not talking to anyone he hasn't been responding sam's texts he, he has like less than 10 um contacts in his phone the only person he's talked to in the last week is his therapist she says that's sad there is a good back and forth between the two of them uh, we find out that bucky has been pardoned because he helped save the world but one of the mandates is he does have to do this therapy so they kind of know he's not going to lose his mind again um and what we see peter is he has a list of people he needs to somewhat reconcile with and we see the first thing of that is he kind of we find out that he helped some senator or congresswoman get power when he was the Winter Soldier. And he basically just goes to her and um, turns her into the feds or the cops, however it works, FBI. And he says, I am not the Winter Soldier anymore. I am James Bucky Buchanan Barnes. He does a funny smile, too. What did you think about that whole scene? I liked it because, again, it's showing us his personality that we saw in the first Avenger and that we did not see for his subsequent appearances. You know, he was very much the winter soldier or very much post winter soldier figuring himself out. But I liked that this really fleshed out his personality and really gave him mm -hmm. that, that aspect that we don't really have this kind of sarcasticness. We had it from maybe from Tony a little bit, you know, specifically yeah. he was the best one about this, but now it's much, it's a little bit different. And I like that again, it's letting the characters breathe and you're able to understand that they are each individual in this team. Yeah, and I, you, I think if if you count the amount of things Bucky says just in this therapy scene, it might be close to the amount of words he's ever said in the MCU. <laughs> that's, I think that's a good observation. I think that that is well. And I like that the therapist wasn't letting up on him. She was just mm -hmm. very, she went right back at him and didn't let up on anything, which I think was a welcome back and forth. Yeah, and I think we that's not the last we've seen of her because you remember that preview we saw where it was it looked like couples counseling with Sam yeah. and Bucky. So I think that scene is something to definitely look forward to. Um, and so now we're going to go back to Sam, and he's down in Louisiana. We're going to meet his sister, who has been holding up uh, the family in the business. She has two kids. And for the last five years, when Sam was gone and all the world was gone, she's been the one keeping the lights on, 
and doing this all for her family when she's been alone. And Sam comes back kind of and he wants to fix everything because he's the superhero and he wants to see what he can do. And there is a little tension between the two of them. I don't think it's like hostile or anything. I think it's really understandable if you think about what all these people have freaking been through of people disappearing and all that shit. It's crazy. So uh, the sister wants to sell the family boat to help the business. And Sam is very conflicted about that because of the memories it has with his mom and dad and stuff like that. And so Sam basically says, like, he can fix this. He's using that superhero complex type thing of, like, listen, I'm Falcon. I fought Thanos. I did all this stuff. I'll take care of it. Let's go to the bank. Peter, what do you think about the interaction between Sam and his family? I really liked it because, again, we're getting to see... We don't really see them have a family, any of these heroes, with the exception, you know, Captain Marvel did have some of that aspect with Monica. Mm-hmm. We have Peter with it has Aunt May. We've got certain characters that are able to have interactions with people outside of the team. Mm-hmm. I think it really helped to ground him and, again, really establish who his character is because, again, this episode is the most either of them, like you said, have talked in mm-hmm. these shows, in these movies. So I like the back and forth with the sister. I like that we're getting further insight into that the world was going on and was in a in upheaval and a disaster because of the blip and the snap and just i like that now he's kind of having to come back and try to fix things because there is this time that was lost yeah definitely and um another thing we see around this time is uh torres is back in uh were they in tunisia libya switzerland they were in switzerland wait where torres was torres the scene was in switzerland okay and that next scene yeah Okay, good to know, good to know. Um, And we see him, he's like kind of filming, he's around a Flag Smasher event where a bunch of people are meeting up. And basically what happens is a bunch of people meet up in this place, they're handed masks, and then some big robbery goes on, and everyone starts running around to create create mass chaos. Isn't that how you would interpret it? Yeah? Oh, yeah. And everyone, because everyone's wearing the same mask. Mm -hmm. And so we do see a dude jump out of the building, and it would appear that this dude has super strength. Or something, because he takes Torres down after Torres tries to, like, arrest him for doing all this, and he kicks him in the face. I was very worried if Torres was going to survive that, because I, the, when I was watching it for the first time, I didn't know Torres' like, significance in the comics. Like, he used to be how important he was. I was like, are mm-hmm. they just going to kill this dude? Because that was gnarly. Um, what was your first impression of what we presume to be one of the main villains of the show, the Flag Smashers, Peter? I thought it was an interesting way to introduce them because, again, it introduces a moment of chaos. It introduces all this confusion of people pretending to be someone else, which I Mm. think kind of plays into the whole mistrust theme that we've talked about for this series. Um, I thought the super strength was a bit of a surprise. I did not see that coming because we haven't really been introduced to the aspect of other people being super-powered individuals and in fact, when Torres does call Sam up, he doesn't. There is this kind of pause in Sam when he asks, like, the strength this guy had, which I think is interesting because I mean, is this is it too soon to say munits? Are munits are they yeah. coming out or am I, you know, reaching again? But I don't know. I think uh, well, one thing about mutants and is mutants have do they have the relationship via Wolverine to the Weapon X program, which is essentially a super soldier. Yes, Wolverine is at first a mutant. He is a mutant, which allows him to go under this, but he is, similar to Captain America, a super soldier. Um, And really quickly on the Flag Smashers, in the comic books, they're actually based on a Captain America villain 
named the Flag Smasher, who he believed all the things that they are saying, but he was just kind of one person. And he was a very popular or very big Captain America villain. And um, so that they seem to have taken that character and apply it to a group. Um, but I'm sure we will meet the leaders of this group and get some more character background on that. Let's now go to the bank with uh, Falcon. And the banker recognizes him, kind of. He first asks him is if he went to LSU or was a running back at, <clears throat> at LSU, which is a tough look for the banker. And then Falcon very funnily like uh, flaps his arms like a Falcon, and he recognizes, oh, that this is Falcon from the Avengers. Again, he is not like a tier one Avenger, so people don't recognize him immediately. But <clears throat> he still does get some sort of recognition, and none of that means shit because – the first thing the banker does is he kind of asks Falcon, like, how do the Avengers get paid? Was Tony paying you guys? And then he, like, offers his condolences. He asks a few things. And I have actually wondered this, too, um, because for some Avengers, it doesn't matter how they're getting paid. Thor, stuff like that. But for some, like Captain America, Falcon, and, uh, it does matter. And it's very curious to see. So basically, Sam suggests that they they live off the goodwill of others uh, for the things they do. And that makes sense. They do a lot. So I totally get that. Um, what was your whole interpretation of that? <clears throat> I think that the show is... No worries. I think the show is really allowing, again, it's a it's answering these questions that viewers, maybe not the casual viewers, but like the in-depth diehard fans are like, well, how does this... Who does these things? So obviously, Tony pays for a lot. but mm -hmm. And he does, he does have a couple lines about that throughout the movies, but... It really kind of showed again, too, that even though they are superheroes, they still have regular lives going on. They've still got problems like the money problems. They've still got mm -hmm. these situations. And again, it really, again, expanded who the backstories to these characters, which up until this point, we haven't really had. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And um, after all of that, the banker denies uh, Sam the loan for the family business. He does say, which was I thought was weird, like, you have nothing the last five years. And well, it's like, no shit. Like, half the world wasn't here. But one thing I was thinking about is with this is you got to assume that during the snap or when everyone, half the world was gone, it was probably really freaking easy to get a loan because there was not that much going on. And now with everyone back, it's, it is interesting to think of what that would do to, like, the financial institution of the world. Um, and so... Yeah, the banker just denies him, and it's the sad reality of the post-snap world and just the sad reality of how the real world is, too, don't you think? Yeah, and I think, again, it shows how post-snap everything is sort of rebuilding, which we kind of saw a little bit at the end of WandaVision, how the town kind of looks, mm -hmm. and kind of, which is only a week or so after, three weeks after, but it was like things are still having to come back to normal, and you do have that rebuilding period which parallels, you know, the MCU rebuilding the roster and who's coming. So, again, I like that it's showing us these two trains running side by side. Yeah. And so the next scene we're going to go to is we're going to have Bucky. Uh, he's going to meet Yuri, the old man. Not meet. We're going to meet Yuri, the old man. Um, and it first starts with somebody's trying to put the extra recycling into his uh, trash can which as someone who lives in an apartment where it's very hard to get recycling space, I totally understand the the battle to get trash can space. I like that. Uh, but Bucky, he, he separates the argument, and he, he says, let's go get lunch, the old man. The old man says, basically, as long as you don't talk. I love that. that I thought that was really funny. And so 
we see them hanging out at this place and we know that the old man does miss his child very much. Um, but Bucky is there, it seems, just to provide some sort of comfort, a friend. The old man, Yuri, is his name, correct? Correct. Yuri. Okay, I'm going to start calling him Yuri because I should stop calling him old man. Um, <laughs> Yuri gets Bucky a date with the waitress at the, the restaurant. And um, Bucky is like apologizes at first, but then the waitress is very much into it. And so we get later... On in the night, Bucky and the girl are playing Battleship or having a date. We get some great lines from Bucky when he says he's 107 years old. She laughs at it, even though it's true. And then she does ask about why he was wearing a glove, because obviously he has a vibranium arm. And he says, poor circulation, which I think is hilarious, too, because think about it. If you're Bucky, you can't really be, like, broadcasting to the world, like, hey, I'm the winner soldier and all yeah. this stuff, because checkered past. So it is funny to think of the casual excuses he has to come up with in these types of situations. Um, and then the next thing we have is in the date. This is where shit gets real. The his, Do we know the name of the girl Bucky's on a date with? No, I want to say no, but I feel like I watched an episode twice already, too, and it's like I should know this. I want to say no. Yeah, I don't think we know, because um, I, I watched it a couple times, too. Um, and so, basically, the girl tells Bucky how nice it is that he's been hanging out with Yuri, and she uh, starts talking about how much he misses his, how much Yuri misses his son and how hard that's been on him. She talks about how if you lose uh, your spouse, there's a name for that. If you lose your uh, parents, parents, there's a name for that. But there's nothing when you lose your child, because it's so heartbreaking. And this obviously just tips Bucky over the edge. And we, he leaves, he runs out really quickly, and he goes to Yuri's apartment. And Yuri opens the door and is like, why are you here, basically? And we see what we were thinking the whole episode, but didn't want it to be true. That the kid who Bucky killed, the Winter Soldier killed in that flashback earlier in the episode, was Yuri's son. And we see in Yuri's apartment some sort of shrine to his son, and um, we see how that affects Bucky. We see how that hurts him. And Bucky, he can't bring himself to say it. And so he just pays Yuri back for lunch. Yuri's like, what the hell is going on here? And then Bucky leaves. And we see Bucky's list. He has a list of people he needs to reconcile with. Um, and Yuri is at the top. And so I do think at some point in the show, Peter, it's going to be heartbreaking. But we are going to see Bucky come to grips and have this conversation. Don't you? Yeah, I think so. I think that, again, this is kind of showing it's showing that side that he's repenting for what he's done and he's trying to really make amends. I think that this is going to be the hardest one for him to do. Mm-hmm. I did like when we first are introduced to their interaction with him and Yuri. It's an alley, which calls back to when Bucky was first introduced in the in First Avenger. You know, he rescues mm-hmm. Steve in the alley. And I, like I really that. like that. I like, I like the aspect that He's he is trying to in a sense have a friend, but at the same time he fully can't have this friend because he did something that's very much unforgivable, I guess, at this point. Unless mm-hmm. I could also see maybe because I'm optimistic that Yuri forgives him. I do see that happening potentially, as opposed mm-hmm. to being like a never want to see you again type thing. But yeah. I like that we are seeing the multifacetedness of these storylines, that nothing is just a straight line it's like sure he had the list of being a therapy you know he used to make amends for these things and it seems pretty straightforward but then by this point you're like it's not going to be that easy yeah it's going to be tough that's going to be a very tough scene but i do think that will be a big part of bucky's character development um and so that wraps up 
that part of the episode and we get at the end the government the same dude who was like thanking sam for giving over the shield sus motherfucker he um (laughs) he announces a new captain america and this square walks out who literally looks like the like a kid dressed up for Halloween as Captain America or something in that costume. And he is announced as the new Captain America. And we see Sam's reaction to that. And it is not good. He, I bet he feels very, I bet he feels a lot of ways. I bet he feels betrayed. I bet he feels stupid for giving it over. And I think we're definitely going to jump into that next episode. Uh, fun fact, that's Kurt Russell's kid. Who's that? Is it uh, really? Yeah. Who's <laughs> that? Captain America. And from the comics, this Captain America, his name is uh, John Walker. And he's called the U.S. Agent. And um, he's kind of like, he's a Captain America who's a lot more violent and doesn't always do the right thing. He's not necessarily a bad guy, but he can be. So it'll be very curious to see how they develop his character going forward. Peter, your thoughts on this uh, final scene of this episode? Um,. In regards to storytelling, I think it sets up a great, you know, arc going forward as a diehard Captain America fan. Obviously not stoked about this rando being Captain America. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, because if this would set up, theoretically, him as a villain. We've got the Flag Smashers. We've got LAF. And then we've still got Zemo, who hasn't made his appearance yet. Mm -hmm. And we saw his name on that list. We did. So that's like five fads in the play so i think i think it's a good way to end the episode because it was over and i was like wait this is it like i need more so Mm -hmm. great job on that aspect yeah okay so before we wrap up i have a couple like overarching questions or theories i want to talk about and if you have any we'll talk about them too um one thing that i am very much tied to and i like more than like i was tied to mephisto or nightmare being in wandavision even though i think Time will tell if we were right about that. I'll say that. Um, So think about Avengers Endgame. Captain America's fight versus Thanos. What happens to his shield? It gets broken. It gets freaking destroyed. Yeah. Like shattered. And then what happens is when Cap comes back from his time heist, he shows up with a shield and gives it to Sam. Here is my theory that is not a theory. It is a fact. That shield is special for Sam. There is special things about that shield that Cap specifically had made for Sam. If you look at the way the shield looks, too, there is some, there's some, like, uh, it's not the exact shield. There's some, like, cutouts around it. Like, Google image it if you're listening. I think that it has some sort of connection maybe to Red Wing, to Falcon, I think that this shield is not just a normal shield. I think it has a connection to Sam, and I am very much married to that idea. What do you think? I'm very happy you said that because I legit thought I was maybe losing it, that I'm too too looking into things because I was like, this shield looks off to me. Like, I'm watching the episode, and I'm just like, this seems a little off. Something something was not right with me, but I'm glad that you've said this because now I'm like, okay, I can get on board with this idea. I like this. I like this. Yeah, because it did not it did not look right to me. Mm-hmm. And there's the uh, a theory, too, of like, I'm pretty sure in the comic books, the shield is not made of vibranium. At one point, it's made of proto adamantium, which is what Wolverine's claws are made out of or is they're made of adamantium. 
So that could be another tie to Weapon X and the X-Men and Mutants. Um, who knows? Um, my next question for you, Peter, is what will bring these two together, Bucky and Sam? Because we did not see them to uh, yet together. Is it? Have we already seen what will bring them together? Is the announcement of U.S. Agent John Walker what brings them together? What do you think? I think that it's going to be that. I like that announcement as a unifier, but I also think the Flag Smashers are going to be a unifier because mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to be looking into the Flag Smashers when they end up colliding with Sharon Carter since she's CIA. I feel like that would be a logical yeah. connection. And then another thing is in the previews, we do see Bucky and Sam at what is presumably Sam's house in Louisiana throwing the shield off trees and stuff. He's getting the shield back somehow. That's true. That's true. And we knew How it was going to happen. Gonna be a question. But... Yeah. Um, and I, it's interesting that they're both throwing it around, too. Yeah, I really hope it's... Uh... Because you know how I said earlier how they're kind of like if you combine them, they are in a way Steve with the man at a time and then the morals of uh, Sam. That would be pretty badass if they were like collectively like Sam is the main Captain America. But the way those two could both use it, uh, because I remember in, um, well, obviously in Endgame, Thor and Cap, they use the the hammer and the shield to do some cool stuff. But even in, I think it's either Winter Soldier or... uh, Civil War, there's one time where Black Widow has to get the shield for Cap and she slings it to him or something and it's like, I would really love to see those two sling the shield back and forth to each other and do some cool like action shit. That'd be really fun. I think we are going to definitely get something along those lines because this show, even from this first episode, has shown that it's going to be action heavy. It's definitely going to be... It's interesting how this, how WandaVision was more, it was the magic yeah. and then the cerebral things. And now here again, we're going with the emotional aspects of both them but we've got all this heavy action sequences Mm -hmm. okay i got another question for you do we see general thaddeus ross in this show the dude for those out there listening he's um he's a big poo poo pants he's the one at the end of civil war has like everyone captured he wants the sokovia accords he's in hulk he's just kind of a dick do you think we see him because we're gonna see him in black widow So I think, yes, we see him. I almost feel like maybe I'm reaching too far, but what if he, like, recruits Zemo to, like, help with Mm -hmm. keep Sokovia Accords in line type of thing? Well, that was my next question. How do we, how does Zemo get involved in this, Peter? I think, I think definitely he's going to become part with the Flag Smashers. I don't know if they're going to be separate and, again, collide together with their unified visions, but... I think the fact that he wasn't allowed to die at the end of Civil War is weighing on him. So I don't see him becoming a good guy. I don't Uh think that's possible. I do feel like he's going to collide with the Flag Smashers. Yeah, and I don't think that this show, I could be wrong, I don't think this is going to be the end of Zemo either. I think he will continue to be a thorn on our hero's sides for the foreseeable future i don't think we see the end of zemo in the show he's a big time villain and i think that it's very smart to bring him back because he's he gets all tied into like stuff like the cabal where all the villains like are together in a team and zemo is very methodical could be a leader of something like that so it would be I, I hope they keep him around and i'm very curious to see how they use him in this show because i know at some point he's gonna like probably help them a little but how quickly does he turn bad stuff like that um 
Peter, anything else you have on this? Um, one thing I did notice, because again, I, I read the press as, as much as you do, and you know, I did see that Kevin Feige has said that, and Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mankey have talked about how this show could potentially set off two or three additional superheroes storylines plot twists in this one show and again Kevin Feige again reiterated that some of the Disney Plus shows are meant to have multiple seasons mm-hmm. we can't say which ones obviously because spoilers we know Loki I feel, and we've got Loki so I feel like this one is one of those shows that would have multiple more so than WandaVision I feel like selfishly I want more WandaVision but I feel like that story is been told and I don't want it it's one of those things where like if they were to redo it like you would damage yeah. season one so I feel like this one definitely has room to breathe I want to I, I'm always on board for more heroes being introduced I think Marvel does it in a really good way when they need to so yeah I'm and curious what, to see what happens yeah I think that uh, so we know Loki has two seasons that's been confirmed WandaVision I don't think we'll have another this show I think yes there's a good chance it does have a second season my only thought with this is, and maybe it does take two seasons, is I think that uh, Anthony Mackie, Sam Wilson, is going to be so beloved in this role as Captain America, where I'm more now thinking, like, when are they going to do a movie with him? When are we getting the cap? I know it's early, but I'm, I think, I didn't think this maybe a year ago, but I think Anthony, I think we're going to eventually get a Captain America movie with Anthony Mackie. I can see that. I like that idea. I would. I can get behind that one. And since we are making predictions for going forward, I will almost feel like through this series, we're going to see a more fleshed out, more developed character for Sharon Carter mm-hmm. to the extent where she fills that Black Widow role Ooh. going forward. Because obviously, an endgame where Natasha's over with, unless there is the, once Black Widow ever, if it ever, when it ever comes out, has that whole aspect of her sister, unless her sister becomes yeah. the new Black Widow. I mean, I uh, could definitely see Sharon taking that role. I like that. I, I will counter with, um, I do think we're going to see Sharon in a bigger role going forward. And maybe not necessarily, it won't be the, maybe not Black Widow in terms of, or very similar, actually. That's a good point. But maybe like Peggy Carter. Yeah. You know, like her role in Captain America, the first Avenger, and obviously what she meant to the development of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff. Maybe we'll get a modern day version of that, or maybe she becomes some sort of like a, a, a better version of Maria Hill. I don't know. The possibilities are out there. Yeah, we got folks. It's just one episode and we're already we're already I'm already predicting movies and all sorts of things. And I will Captain America's on the moon. You heard it here. I I totally buy into that theory. Uh, Peter, always a pleasure talking to you. We'll be back next week to talk episode two of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And either next week or the next week, we will we will do the Snyder Cut, ladies and gentlemen. I've watched it once. It's four hours long. Very long, but very good. Peter's got to do it, too. I think it's going to take two or three watches for us to do it justice and do a good pod for you and that's 12 hours so give us some time to dive through that um peter always a pleasure my friend always a good time look forward to it all right we'll catch you guys next week